I can't believe it, but we're here. The end of 2020. And I said on Twitter the other day, I'm worried that 2021 is going to be a sequel that we all hate, but I'm reserving judgment and trying to stay optimistic that in the next few months, things will begin to settle. Either way, this is the last episode of the year and the last episode of the Get Legit Law and Shit podcast. So in 2021, we will be here under a new name, and I will tell you all about that in next week's episode. But for this week, it's time for a year in review. This was my favorite episode last year, and last year we just launched in November, so didn't have as much of a year of the podcast, but I still reviewed all of 2019, and today we're reviewing 2020 under the same kind of format I did last year in the year in review. So there's a lot to talk about. I added a new category. So let's get into it. Hey there, this is Get Legit Law and Shit, and I'm Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer for online business. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years, and I'm a former prosecutor. So yeah, I know some shit, and we're going to talk about the legal shit you need to know. But don't worry, this is not another boring business podcast. So let's get started. So last year in the year in review, I covered things that I loved in the year, things that confused me in the year, things I let go of, and then what my January reset is, because I do enjoy evaluating a reset in January. This year, I'm adding the stories that captivated us in the year, and that's in no way of a ranking or a level of importance. It's the things that we had conversations about on the podcast, we had conversations about on social media. There's a lot that happened this year. And I've tried to keep each category to four things. (laughs) So I went through the things that kind of grabbed everyone's attention for stories that captivated us. And I can't wait to break this stuff down. So since that's what we're talking about, we're just going to start there. Obviously, COVID. (laughs) COVID is the first thing that captivated us this year. It impacted our lives. It impacted so many lives. Um, Worldwide, people lost their life to this pandemic. It From February, when the CDC was like, be prepared for a life-interrupting event, and my husband and I were at Costco, and I was like, I don't think people are paying attention to what the CDC is saying on this yet, but they said, be prepared. I think it was either substantial or significant disruption of life, and that's exactly what we saw with COVID. From working at home, businesses closing, we ended up closing a business because of COVID shutdowns. We could not reopen it. All of the things, COVID definitely changed our lives. I hope that there will be some good parts that come out of that. And for those of you that have lost people and loved ones and friends and family, it, it's in no way uh, to diminish those those losses. And I am sorry to everyone who's lost. And we've talked about that in DMs um, to those of you who've lost multiple family members, lost businesses, lost livelihoods, lost jobs. I'm sorry. It's been a really shit year. And there are some opportunities, I think. COVID shifted the way we look at work. It shifted conversations around um, emotional burden and uh, home life balance, if you will. The exhaustion that people were experiencing with trying to distance learn, figure out childcare, still work from home while providing full-time childcare. And it really gave us a lot of time to have conversations and to reevaluate how we are living. And I hope that for some, there was uh, things found in that that were welcomed and and maybe exciting and different. Or maybe you just learned to make sourdough bread. I mean, one of those things. 
one of those things. It definitely slowed it down. I mean, it, it makes you, if you have kids, it makes you evaluate which uh, extracurricular activities really matter, right? Because once you stop going to all the things, it's kind of, I don't know, I'm hesitant to pick up all the things again. And for our family, we're not going to pick up as much again. We are going to definitely continue living a little bit slower. The second story that really sparked conversation and conversations that needed to be had were our conversations in America around race and officer-involved shootings. These were sometimes difficult topics to talk about, but I think it's 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 hard to say it's a good thing because at the end of the day, people watched uh, George Floyd be killed on video. People watched what, the unfolding of the Breonna Taylor story and felt unheard, felt um, there was this huge power disparity with police and started having those conversations. But I think the conversations on a national scale needed to be had and still need to be had. There is still work to be done. There is still healing to be done. There are still conversations to be had. But we started those conversations on a national level, and there's no going back from that. And I'm glad for that. I think continuing to push this forward, continuing to have conversations about inequities and disparities within the structures of our systems, both racially and socioeconomically, plus you mix that in with COVID where we're seeing huge socioeconomic disparities on what people are able to do, not able to do, who is being helped. I think it's important conversations to continue to have. And I know that the ripples from what happened this year are going to continue to change life in America. And I think there's going to be some growing pains, but I do think that it will be for the better. And we will get past the ugly growth part and the uncomfortable growth part into a better society. What I've said through all of this is that my hope is we get to a place where everyone who lives here in the States feels safe in their home safe in their community, and and safe in their person. That's one of our absolutely most fundamental things. And this summer definitely pulled back the curtain on the people who don't feel safe and the amount of people who don't feel safe, either driving to work, driving to school, in their communities, in their homes, and making sure that that is something that is resolved, discussed, and continued to be worked towards because everyone should feel safe. And that is a fundamental and basic human right. And hopefully we are making steps towards that through having the conversations with compassion. Moving on to something that's a little funnier, um, Zoom. We have to talk about Zoom. There, are, Zoom has worked its way into the lexicon. There's there's no going back when even my parents are like, can we just hop on a Zoom? Zoom has infiltrated um, kind of the cultural consciousness in the U.S. during COVID. People are working on Zoom for the first time. I've worked on Zoom for years. In March, when everything shut down and businesses were scrambling to go online to stay working, Zoom definitely took a dive for a bit, but then bounced back. Zoom is still something I use quite a lot to connect with people, and I love it. But this kind of digital video connection is something we've had with FaceTime and we've had with Zoom. It just wasn't so widely used. And it gave rise to some very funny news stories, but also the ability for a large population shift. The amount of people I've seen moving and the stories I've seen of people moving now that work is being decentralized out of cities has opened up opportunities for people to pick a quality of life. And I said this in my talk, 
pick your life and then figure out how you're going to make money. And I really see using Zoom in work as a way to empower people to pick their quality of life and then still make money and to work without commutes and to really change the shape of cities so people can choose where they live, not just based on where their employer happens to be. And I think that's a really good thing. I know that one of the things that was most stifling for me before I left my career was the lack of control over my life. The tomorrow you can be transferred somewhere else, you can be, you can get a new boss, all of these things. I, I don't want to say I'm a total control freak, but there's times. <laughs> but one of the things that comes with work happiness is having some control over your own work and your own destiny and your days. The more control and autonomy you have, the generally the happier people are. And Zoom has given a lot of people control over where they choose to live. And I've seen so many people move. And I've done episodes here about that. Zoom really opened that up. And then COVID doubled down on it because it wasn't safe to gather. And those were the recommendations. So businesses had to decentralize out of large office spaces. And maybe it's a good thing. I think the workforce is forever shifted. And I don't think that's bad. I really, really don't think that's bad. Zoom also gave us uh, the Zoom bombings. I hate to say the word bombing. We're still kind of reeling here outside of Nashville from the Nashville Christmas Day bombing, but that's what it was called um, when people would hack and jump into other Zooms. This happened in elementary schools, high schools, junior high schools, colleges, um, and Congress where people would jump into Zoom calls they weren't supposed to be in, do things that were either untoward, sexual, naked knee, nakedy, <laughs> adulty videos, foul words, all the things. But this definitely, like the the 2020 equivalent of like mooning somebody in a car <laughs> was the Zoom bombing for sure. And then on that note, we got Jeffrey Tubin's story of Zoom impropriety. I have a YouTube video on it if you want to get into the nitty gritty of what Tubin was doing up on the Zoom with his workers well, his coworkers, well, not really with his coworkers. They just happened to unfortunately observe it. While he was on a Zoom call, he was fired um, from the New Yorker in November. CNN still hasn't fired him yet. I'm, I'm fascinated by lawyer behavior in 2020. So uh, Tubin being one of the lawyers whose behavior has fascinated me, but this um, lapse of judgment on the Zoom was definitely fascinating and gave us a story where everybody was like, wait, what is happening? I also think it served the dual purpose of pointing out that this kind of behavior in the workplace is not not just isolated to Zoom, but also this attitude of like, well, I'm sorry people had to see that. Like there was never an apology for what he was doing on Zoom that his coworkers saw. It was always an apology of getting caught. And that attitude of the kind of guy in power of like, oh, well, I'm sorry that you saw it. I thought it was muted. There's nothing wrong with it. It's like, you're on a work call. Why do you think it's okay to take things into your own hands on a work call? Why is is that the thing that's okay? And you're like, oh, I'm just sorry that y'all had to see it. It definitely pointed out this um, power dynamic that women often encounter in the workforce and sometimes men too with this level of impropriety. And I think it just put the spotlight back on that conversation of what is even happening and what is and isn't okay. And reminding people that this is never okay. It's never okay. 
ah, oh, anyway, Tubin. But also then with Zoom and with the rise of kind of this video sharing in a different way, we also saw Zoom sex clubs and Zoom sex parties. And then OnlyFans domination kind of happened this year too. OnlyFans existed prior to 2020, but it also worked its way into the lexicon during 2020 and was a great way for a lot of people to make a lot of money and no shade. If you want to have an OnlyFans and do whatever you want to do on the OnlyFans, get your coin. Like uh, there is no shade and no judgment. 2020 is hard. A lot of people lost work. If you want to do things up on the OnlyFans and make your money, go right ahead because other platforms are getting censored left, right, and center. So go ahead, go ahead, go in. It was fascinating to me that kind of this rise of us getting used to communicating mostly through video and not as much in person also gave rise to the popularity of OnlyFans. COVID has given us a lot of gifts, but one that we cannot ignore is Tiger King. Tiger King was an early COVID gift and it really did enter into the lexicon. You know, Carol Baskin ended up on Dancing with the Stars. Carol Baskin. (laughs) Hey, cool cats and kittens. And it just, it gave us so much back when we were young and naive and we were early into the pandemic and we're like, oh, look at this. This is wild to watch. And it was wild to watch. And it's given us lawsuits. We are due for a Tiger King lawsuit update because there have been a lot of developments in the lawsuits. And then you end up with Joe Exotic ending up in prison at the end of the thing. It's just Tiger King gave us all something to talk about early in the pandemic. And then, you know, back before we all got exhausted with everything COVID. Um, And now I think the wave of exhaustion, everyone was so optimistic early pandemic. It's like, okay, we're especially in California, which is where we were in the March lockdown. It's like, okay, we're going to find things to do. We're going to keep the kids entertained. We're going to learn to make our own bread. We're going to try to figure out day by day if there's toilet paper at Costco. We're going to get through this. And then, I mean, by Thanksgiving of this year, people were like, I'm exhausted with all of this. And I hear you. We're exhausted too, but keep going. I mean, we don't really have much choice, do we? (laughs) We're going to just one foot in front of the other. And those are the things, those are the stories, the top four that I see that kind of captivated us. COVID, um, talking the questions of race and officer-involved shootings that happened this summer and racial inequity and structural inequities and what that means. Society moving to Zoom and tangentially OnlyFans and Tiger King. So let's get into things I loved this year. Because in 2020, it feels like maybe there's not a lot to love, but there is. There is still stuff to love in 2020. And one of the first things that I loved and loved the most was The Mandalorian. Now look, nerds, don't come at me and remind me that The Mandalorian Season 1 came out in 2019. It did, but it was like November 2019. So right at the end of 2019 is when The Mandalorian Season 1 came out. But Season 2 and 3 both came out in 2020. And it is when I fell harder down the rabbit hole of diehard love for The Mandalorian. Yes, season one was amazing, but season two and three, you guys, so fucking epic. I love The Mandalorian so much. It has renewed a much deeper fandom love for the Star Wars franchises that I have loved anyway. But it just, it tied in Star Wars in such a deep way and it was so much fun and my whole family is involved and the child 
I don't know if I can call him Grogu. <laughs> I don't know if I can. For those of you watching the video version, I have my Mandalorian shirt on today. I just, I, I loved it so much. I, it was something that we looked forward to. It was something that as the kids weren't in school on Fridays, we would watch The Mandalorian at lunchtime on Fridays. And it just became such a wonderful part of our 2020 and something that we looked forward to and still enjoy. The Mandalorian is just the gift that keeps on giving. I can't wait for more. I, I can't wait. I, I just, I love the direction that Star Wars franchise is going in. And hats off to Disney and Disney Plus for making it happen. Like Disney Plus. It's been a, it's been a COVID gift. And we've loved it <laughs> a lot. Next for me was slowing down. There's no way not to slow down in COVID, especially in that first California lockdown. Not everybody went through lockdowns the same way or at the same time. But when those first stay-at-home orders came down, it was no school, no work, no really going anywhere other than the grocery store. And Early on, we still weren't sure about taking out food or picking up food. I mean, we got much more comfortable with that as things went on, but it was really stay at home and figure it out and and figuring out a new pace of life when you're not going into work and you're not commuting and you're not having a different day where you're dropping kids off at school and picking them up from school. It really shifted. No sports, no archery, no nothing for us. And Though there were times it was very, very challenging, there were, we'll get to things that confused me this year, there were things that were challenging in it, but also the slowing down was really a blessing in some ways. And I know it's been tremendously financially stressful for a lot of families. We've been there too, and I feel you, but there are some parts to slowing down that's going to make us very, very intentional about what we choose to pick back up in 2021 as we can and what we choose to obligate ourselves to do by way of activities and commitments, it it's going to change the intentional way that we live. And I think that's true for a lot of families. Slowing down has really been a kind of hidden blessing of 2020. And we've been trying, particularly me, <laughs> trying to embrace it. That doesn't mean there's days when the kids haven't played video games for way too many hours. There have been those days. There have been tears, there has been frustration, but overall the reevaluation of our values and what matters came from a forced slowdown. And I hope that it helps us all reevaluate our priorities, what matters, and how much we're willing to give to commitments outside of the things that matter most to us. Things that I also loved this year, moving. Yes, I miss friends and family, no, I don't miss California. Moving is one of the best things that's happened to our family. It's one of the best things that's happened to me. I feel, I, I, I don't know how to describe how internally settled I feel just being able to go out and hear the winds in the trees and the fact that you can hear the wind in the top of the trees differently than the wind that kind of hits your body and you can feel. And that when we go walk in the woods, we're able to enjoy those things, that there's water flowing near our home, that on the drive to my kid's school, there's not a single stoplight. <laughs> and there's cows and horses and goats and baby goats, which are so cute. <laughs> and we can watch the seasons change. And it's just been such a blessing. Middle Tennessee has been lovely. I have enjoyed it. My wardrobe was not prepared 
but we're working on it because COVID, we're not really going anywhere. So we've been able to slowly build into the warm things that we need. And then the things that are appropriate for humidity in the summer, because California clothes are kind of like, oh yeah, it'll be fine year round. Maybe I need a light jacket. But other than that, you don't need such diversity unless you are choosing to adventure to the mountains or choosing to do something specific, but it's different here. And I love the different, and I've been so pleasantly surprised. It is a weird time to move because it makes it hard, particularly for the kids when you're not doing all the activities to meet kids in a new area, but the internet has really helped with that too. And then the last thing I loved this year was YouTube. We've talked about that on this podcast. I have an episode about going viral on YouTube. It's been such a blessing. I have been wanting to dial in my content on YouTube and have been thinking about it and talking about it since at least 2018 and have really been trying to find the the thing that I wanted to do with my channel because my channel did start doing more lifestyle stuff when I was still a district attorney and went through some of my own personal growth and personal development. But then I wanted to make it match with the other things I was talking about it. And this podcast helped me dial in that the legal commentary in news and pop culture is the space that I wanted to be in. And breaking down the law behind the stories that we love is my sweet spot. And it's what I love. And literally when you guys DM me about stuff, I'm like, oh my God, yes. And this too. Oh my God. Yes. I saw that too. I love keeping up with it. I love talking about it. I love housewives lawsuits. I occasionally love the the nerdy, nerdy legal argument about whether a state has, you know, standing to sue another state. The politics stuff is not my sweet spot just because it's such a deep knowledge needed. But I have that deep knowledge of the real housewives. I do. I do. <laughs> and I enjoy talking about it. So bringing the law and news and pop culture while just talking about what it is. This is what it is. This is what the documents say. This is what the law is. What do you think? It's just been my favorite And getting to do that both on the podcast and in the YouTube space has been uplifting. The community of law nerds that we have developed together is inspiring. And the connections that are made there really and truly do warm my heart. I know that social media is not always a positive space, but what I have found from the law nerds is overwhelmingly it is a space for conversation and connection and support and fun and occasionally a little bit of shade And it's awesome. And I just, I love all of those things. And I thank you so much for being a part of that journey. So things that confused me this year. There was a lot that confused me this year. And I don't want to say things I didn't like because that's such a, it's such a personal thing. But these are the things that confused me that I'm going to be keeping an eye on because I'm like, what, what is happening here? Two of them really regard a society. Others just regard, well, no, most of them regard society. (laughs) (laughs) let's just, let's just go with the one that's more specific to being a parent first. And then we'll jump right into the rest of them. And you're like, Emily, are you actually reconfiguring your list in your head and out loud at the same time? Yes, I am. Did you listen to last week's episode when I talked about my journey with ADHD? You, You just experienced it in real time. The first thing that confused me this year was distance learning. Look, our teachers, and I have been in two different districts during different periods of district learning. I have seen the tremendous stress that is put on educators. I have seen the tremendous stress that's been put on districts and the tremendous stress that's been put on parents. Distance learning has been stressful for everyone involved from what I have seen. It was so difficult and so confusing. 
And there were times when my kids like school Zoom is more locked down. And so I can't do the things I normally do on my Zoom. And he's like, why isn't it working? I'm like, I don't know why it's not working. Why isn't it working? And he's like, dude, I'm in seventh grade. I don't know why it's not working. So much overwhelm and frustration. And my younger one had a very hard time learning through a screen. It was distance learning was difficult and confusing and stressful. And the thing I have told my family and that I keep telling myself and that I'm sharing with all of you is that all of our kids, no matter what age they are that are learning this way, they're all going through it together. This has been a worldwide weirdness. So it's not as if anyone's getting behind. It is just where it is. We are in a a reset, essentially, of this. And it's going to have to, you know, educational plans going forward might not have been on the same track they were, but that's going to be standard for all kids. And I realize that there are some families that are going to be affording tutors and and things to try to pull kids ahead during this time and other families that aren't going to have that option. And yes, that is going to create some disparities. But on the whole, I think that a lot of kids are going to just be in the same boat and they're all going to have this mutual thing when they're older saying, how old were you when XYZ happened? It's It's like the way people connect sometimes over remembrances of what happened or where you were during 9-11. Or for me, when I was in elementary school and we were watching the Challenger take off and there are things that you experience, the O.J. Simpson trial, there are things that you experience that are part of our cultural consciousness that you remember. And our kids might not remember all the parts of COVID depending on their age, but the distance learning is something that they are going to remember. They are going to share with their kids. It's not when I when I walked uphill both ways to get to school in the snow, it's like, no, when I walked out of my bedroom in my pajamas to turn on my Zoom and I couldn't get logged in and then I marked absent and then I couldn't figure out the number for IT because my microphone wasn't working. It's going to be those stories, but it's going to change them. And I don't think we're going to know how, but distance learning was confusing. It was hard. It was it was not easy on on our family, and I know it wasn't easy on other families, and I'm not going to pretend that it was because it wasn't. There were days I absolutely hated distance learning. And for those of you that have done it for substantial chunks of last year and this year, I am sorry. Just keep going. Your kids are going to be fine. You're going to be fine. We're all going to get through it. And hopefully next school year is different and better. Let's just jump into the hard topics of of societal stuff that was confusing. So to me... Censorship on social media this year is something I've seen more than any other year. And this like lean towards, I don't want to say fake news, but like post-truth. And I've actually been reading a really interesting book about post-truth and what that is and the way that misinformation can spread on social media, but that the trying to tag misinformation and lock it down also swirls in different perspectives because there's a difference to me between like, this is patently not true and this is a different perspective. Those are two different things for me. And social media has really been struggling with how to regulate that and how to censor that and what they're censoring. And if they're censoring conversation about the election, if they're censoring conversation about COVID, if they're fact-checking, who the fact-checkers are, there um, are lawsuits now going on with regard to the quote-unquote fact-checking. And and who they are. Because at the end of the day, we're all human. We all have preconceived notions about stuff. And so when we have broad scale censorship on social media, it concerns me. And we're seeing it um, continuing on right now with Instagram and people who have OnlyFans accounts and 
if they're being censored and how they're being censored and what conversations are being censored, it's very strange to me. And it's something I'm going to continue to talk about because it's fascinating who gets to make the decisions and then who decides it's okay. And then what happens when it shifts and then they're censoring other stuff that we're all like, whoa, 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 what is even happening? And then sometimes when you talk about censorship on social media, then people are like, well, if you're talking about it, then it means you think this. It's like, no, no, I just have questions. I have lots of questions. (laughs) Who gets to decide? How do they decide? And how do we all decide that we're okay with it? And are we okay with it? There's lots of conversations to be had about social media coming this year. It's interesting. And that kind of leads me into the divisiveness of all of this. In the conversations about censorship on social media, but other conversations in general, I think us not being together might be a part of it, but I am not a sociologist. The divisiveness I have seen over not just the election, but even over COVID and over how different states are handling COVID and seeing people being like, well, this state's not doing this and this state's not doing that. It's like, well, you don't live there. (laughs) Why are you mad about it? But then I get it too. Like, are you following the rules? I'm trying to follow the rules. And if you're not following the rules, it's really frustrating to me, which is going to be my last point of something that confused me with regard to COVID parties, but I'll get there in a moment. It's just the divisiveness of all of it's very confusing and how, because there was uncertainty with how COVID spread and because it's so contagious, there's been a lot of um, concern about what I'm doing and then what everybody else is doing because one, what other people are doing could put you at risk or could put your family at risk or could put people who are essential workers at risk. Then it becomes more of a a collective and needs to be a collective, but we're a country of like radical individualism. So then when we have to act collectively, it's very strange. (laughs) And the divisiveness over it is very, very strange. And it's something that I hope that we are able to work through and work through with conversation versus cancellation. And I talked about me being over cancel culture last year, but still over it. And last year I said, you know, yes, I was over cancel culture, but I also enjoyed the YouTube drama. This year it got into such a fever pitch that there were some things I couldn't and didn't enjoy because it was like, no, cancel. And if you still support this person, cancel you too. And if you've even indicated that you liked this person or liked them at one time, then cancel you too. And I think that that doesn't lead to productive conversations because the goal of pointing out things, particularly when it's like, you've done this in the past and this is no longer acceptable. Um, Societally, we've learned, you've learned, we've all learned. If you grow, then can we say, oh, you've done this in the past, you've grown, let's all move forward, let's have a conversation versus, oh, you keep repeating the same behavior. Clearly this now indicates to me this is who you are, so I am choosing to walk away. It's different. Um, The nuance is kind of missing right now, and I think it has a lot to do with just the time that we are in, the stress that we are in, and the fact that we can't get out and have conversations and diverse conversations because it's very easy to pick an online echo chamber and move away from conversations you don't really want to have or conversations that might challenge your viewpoint. And that's kind of led to these little echo chambery pockets of social media where it's like, no, cancel everything. And it's like, no, no, conversations over cancel, please. Conversations. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's find out why people think the things they do because it's the only way we're going to knit back together is coming to some sort of understanding with each other because the divisiveness has gotten ugly. And I hope that as we get into the new year, we are able to embrace conversations. And then also with that, see when conversations aren't productive because a screaming match is not a conversation. A I'm right and you're wrong and you suck is not a conversation. A 
why do you think that way? Or why, why did you do this? Or why did you say that? Or, or just asking why kind of the way kids do when kids are like, well, why, well, why, well, why, if we all kind of embrace a little bit more of, well, why is it this way? And why is it that way? I think we'll be able to open up those conversations but it's also hard to trust when things are so divisive to open up and have those conversations. And that's the one thing I love about the space. We're going to keep having conversations, but the divisiveness this year has been off the charts from my perspective. And then the last thing in divisiveness has really been COVID parties. And if you follow kind of the pop culture influencer space, you've seen a lot of people get in trouble for this. A lot of people called out to be accountable for jetting off to parties in Miami or having giant Halloween parties, huge birthday parties. And I am torn on it so much because there's a part of me that's like, look, you're making this choice. I disagree with this choice, but you're making this choice and you're willing to go with the consequences of this choice. So have at you. Make your choice. I disagree and have the consequences of your choice. And then the other part of me is like, but fuck you. We have canceled everything this year. We've not spent holidays with family. We have not had parties either. We have really done what we thought was best. And it's frustrating to see others who are like, right, but we want to do what we want to do. And that's where I get really torn over the COVID party thing, because part of me goes to the right, your choice. But part of me goes to the, but is your choice putting other people at risk? And it's really hard. And it's been really hard not to want to also just be like, hey, fuck you. (laughs) You can't have a massive Halloween party with all these unmasked people when it's against the regulations. And that's kind of where I've broken down on is I know everyone doesn't agree with the rules. And I think there's room to push back on some of the rules. But also, if you're in a county where it's like no gatherings, you have to really navigate that and figure out what's best but also these influencers are like, well, this is what's best for me. And then it's frustrating. And so I am having a very hard time. And that's why I say I'm confused about COVID parties. Uh, and by COVID parties, I mean literally big parties of people, you know, 20, 40, 60, hundreds of people getting together and having these massive parties during this time because they're like, whatever, we're not concerned. We're not at risk. <sighs> I'm confused. I still don't know how I feel about it because as I said, I'm of two minds. I'm of the, we're trying to follow the rules to the best of our ability, but that's our choice for us and our family. But also, is everybody allowed to make their own choice? And if I disagree with their choice, then I I, I really don't love the just cancel you. But also when I disagree with people's choice, my gut reaction is like, ah, why are you making that choice? I disagree. So when I say things that confused me this year, COVID parties have confused me because they've created a lot of conflict for me of the, I generally believe people should make the decisions that are right for them. And that if I disagree, I can move away. But COVID parties hit different because I'm like, I can't move away. I'm angry. I'm actually angry. And it's an intellectual conflict with me because it goes against generally what I believe, but it still makes me angry. So it's like the feelings versus the intellectual thoughts of, you get to make the decisions that are right for you. And I disagree with your decisions. And that means I can choose to move away. I don't have to make that choice. But also, but also the like gut reaction is just like, ah, I don't know. The COVID parties hit so different for me. And I'm I'm trying to rein it in, 
but that's why I'm confused. I would love to know how you guys have felt about the COVID parties and where you fall, where you break on that, like where you break down on the, how you parse that. Is it just a, you know, you're putting other people at risk or you get to make your own decisions and we have to trust you all to make your own decisions, or this is insensitive, or this is not taking into consideration others. And that's really where it, the narcissism of the thing kind of breaks down for me. And when you see like Dr. Mike, who's been everywhere saying, this is how you social distance. And then he's on a boat with no mask with a whole bunch of people in Miami. You're like, come on, come on, come on. What are we doing? (sighs) COVID parties caused me internal conflict and confusion and and you know it's it's one of those things where it's not my place to judge but when i also see these pictures surfacing of large influencer parties particularly in LA county that's so locked down i'm like what are you doing what what are you doing this is a terrible idea but also it's not my decision to make see i'm still i, I could go round and round on this confusion but i'd love to hear what you think about it i would love to hear what you think about covid parties and and people throwing covid parties I'd love to hear. Just tell me. So before we move back on, I'm going to have to work my way out of my confusion because you still see me spiraling over the COVID parties. And just remind you that there is new merch coming in January to the lawnardshop.com. Lawnardshop.com is where I host all of our merch with um, the Lawnard sayings, and there is going to be much more to come based on your feedback in January 2021. So if you don't already have Lawn and Shop bookmarked, if you've never checked out what's there, go ahead and do that and get ready. Get ready next week. New stuff is coming and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's jump into my last two categories. Things I let go of in 2020 and then what my January reset is. So things I let go of in 2020. First thing, pants that aren't leggings. Like, fuck pants. Who needs pants anymore? Do we really need pants that aren't leggings at this point? I sure don't. I don't think I've put on a pair of jeans. (laughs) I did, though. I put on a pair of jeans about a week and a half ago, and I have lost some weight, so they kept falling down. So I don't even really have pants that aren't leggings that fit properly at the moment. And I'm like, screw it. I'm not buying new pants at this point. I'm waiting. I'm waiting because I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) So pants that aren't leggings, I'm over it. I I don't have time. We're gonna we're gonna get a jegging at some point and just call it even, because I don't even really need jeans at this point. Leggings, leggings with pockets have been my life for this entire year, and I love it. And I'm not going back. So in 2021, if there are conferences again and you see me out and about, I'll probably be in leggings and some kind of a Lawnards shirt and or a band tee. My favorite Adidas sneakers, which at the moment are the Ultra Boosts, not the NMDs. And the NMDs have been my favorite, favorite, favorite Adidas style. But the Ultra Boost have kind of won my heart this year. I got a new pair for Christmas. I'll, I'll share it on Instagram at the Emily D. Baker if you don't follow me there. My new um, my new Ultra Boost when they come in. But yeah, they're, they're kind of stealing my heart. <laughs> Emily let go of high heels in like 2018. So <laughs> it's, you know what you're getting with me. And it's going to be Adidas sneakers, truly. Sometimes a converse, but even then they're a little flat. Your girl has had multiple back surgeries. So a nice a nice Adidas shoe. They fit me really well. Anyway, I, I should have put Adidas sneakers and things I loved, but we digress. <laughs> you now know what my go-to outfit is. Something else I've let go of in 2020. 
anxiety over cooking dinner. Now, I'm embarrassed to talk about this one, but we're going to talk about it anyway because sometimes I just lean in to shit I don't want to talk about. I don't like to cook dinner. I've never liked to cook dinner. Cooking dinner has stressed me out for years coming home from work and then being like, what's for dinner? Like the words that strike fear into my heart. What's for dinner? Fuck if I know what's for dinner. I don't know. Do we have something in the freezer? Tell me there's Trader Joe's orange chicken in the freezer and we'll make it work. What's for dinner stresses me out. 2020 and the slowdown of 2020 has really helped me unpack some anxiety around dinner and create kind of a basic structure for mealtimes that work for our family. And it has been so much more pleasant. We lean heavily into the sous vide, which is a water bath for meat. You can put it in. It never overcooks. It is the greatest thing ever. And we've leaned into the Instapot because even my 13-year-old can now make rice, which is one of his favorite foods, and it makes it so easy. So we have really leaned in. We do not eat out very much right now. We used to eat out more. We used to also DoorDash a lot more, but guess what? (laughs) Not a lot of DoorDash going on where we've moved. And we knew that when we moved. And we've really enjoyed making dinners together as a family. Summer hits, summer misses. It's okay. It's just a meal. Everyone's going to move on, but it doesn't stress me out like it used to. And I really love that. It's been fun. Also, my husband's been really, really helping a lot with dinners. And so we will pick kind of the meat, veggie, starch, whatever we're having for the night and get it into the sous vide and then brown it up and get it on a plate. And away we go. It's been really nice to kind of simplify the way that we eat and embrace that. I mean, we still had Subway for dinner last night, but it's because we were watching a ton of YouTube videos (laughs) about Subway. (laughs) The whole family went, Subway sounds delicious. And my kids had found a new YouTuber they like, and the videos that kind of grew his channel were about him working at Subway. And so we we just went all in on his videos, and then we all really wanted to have Subway. And it's always weird for me to say a new YouTube channel because The Odd Ones Out, which is what we've been watching, has like 16 million subscribers, but it's new to us. And that's the thing about YouTube is that just because somebody has 16 million subscribers doesn't mean I've heard of them. And people are constantly discovering new stuff on YouTube, which is why I love YouTube as a platform. Anyway, I'll link The Odd Ones Out below. It's It's been really entertaining. And, and anyway, we all had we all had Subway for dinner. The other thing that I am still letting go of in 2020, this was on my list for 2019, was the shoulding and obligations. And when I say shoulding, it's like, oh, I should do this. Oh, I should do that. Should is an obligation. Should is a, I don't really want to do this, but like, I feel like there's some reason that I have to, so I'm gonna. We have really leaned into picking things more intentionally and doing things because we want to genuinely or need to genuinely not because it's like, oh, but I feel like I should do this thing. No. So the doing things out of obligation is gone. And if I feel like, oh, I'm obligated to do this, there's a deeper evaluation that needs to be done of why do I feel obligated? Why do I not want to? And and what do I need to take away and learn from that so that I can either want to or say no to this thing in the future? And that's really been impactful. And it's a constant lesson. Like, yes, it's something I let go of in 2019, but I'm still learning to let it go in 2020. And that's still going to happen in 2021 when we are all going to have to choose at some point when things open up more, when 
we are on the tail end of COVID, we're all going to have to choose what we're comfortable with and at what rate. Not everyone's going to want to go hop into a crowded bar or hop onto an airplane and that's okay. And we're all going to have to navigate what feels right for us and what feels right for our families with that. The last thing is something that's going to sound silly, but this is the category that I jump into the real, real stuff, but it's fear of being seen. And this is something I've struggled with off and on. And I know it's something that in my entrepreneurial journey has held me back. And it's that fear of like putting yourself all the way out there, but all the way out there in a way where people can find you. Like it's, it's easier to put yourself out there when you're like, oh, my video has 200 views in like a month. It's, it's not really out there. It's just kind of like a little bit out there. But as things grow and things have hundreds of thousands of views and hundreds of thousands of downloads like this podcast with over 100,000 downloads, which blows my mind and I'm so excited about it, that doesn't feel scary anymore because I know what my values are and I know what my purpose is and I know what the purpose of our content here together is. And it really is to bring that understanding and break things down and to share and to share the journey. And so that fear of like, oh, what if I do something wrong? What if I misstep is gone. I probably will misstep. I probably will make mistakes. I will absolutely misspeak. I will have bags under my eyes. <laughs> my skin will break out. Like things will not be perfect for sure. But I also know that we're here for conversations and you can have conversations around those things. And that makes it not scary, I guess. That's a really weird way to say that, but it takes away that fear of really sharing and being seen. And the amount of support in this community and the amount of connection in this community makes it all so much more worth it than whatever fear I had to let go of in 2020 of like, what if, what if this grows and what if there's more eyeballs and am I ready for that? And that's a conversation that my husband and I had too, as I went more in on YouTube, I was like, if this grows, is that okay for our family? We had the conversation about letting the kids show up on my Instagram and things like that. Are we okay with that? And made those intentional choices before things started growing rapidly. And because we had those conversations, it really took the scary away from it. And so I'm letting go. It's good. We're here. Send a friend. <laughs> if you like the content, share it, comment, do YouTube things. And the YouTube things are like, like, thumbs up, hit subscribe. When I say do the YouTube things, those are the YouTube things. Because you can't watch a YouTube video without being like, okay, guys, hit the subscribe. Don't forget to hit the bell, blah, blah, you know, the YouTube things. <laughs> but letting go of that fear of being seen has been really powerful in 2020. And I'm just, I've been really thankful for the time I've had to find that and the year I've had growing this podcast to find that in myself. January reset. Let's go. Let's go. January reset. Every January, I listen to one particular audiobook, The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. I love Shonda Rhimes. I am inspired by Shonda Rhimes. If you haven't watched her TED Talk and want the shortened down version of Year of Yes, it's there. I love Year of Yes. I love it on Audible. Audible works better for me anyway. I'm an auditory learner. But hearing her read it in her voice, then Shonda becomes the voice in my head too. <laughs> I'm like, am I, how am I going to yes this becomes the voice in my head. So every January, the first book I do every year on Audible is Year of Yes. I highly recommend it. Look, I will put a link down below. If you've never used Audible, I have a link. You can get a free book, make it your book, listen to your book, 
tell me what you think. We can do a book club on the book if you want. Let me know in the comments if you want a book club year of yes. We'll talk about it on the on the YouTubes, on the socials. We'll talk about year of yes in January. It is a fantastic perspective on intentional living that feels very accessible. Some content around intentional living feels very, I don't know, overwhelming, inaccessible, like, oh, that sounds lovely if I was 26 and lived by myself and walked to the farmer's market daily to make organic, you know, nutritious, vegan, whatever, whatever. Sometimes intentional living feels very out there. Year of Yes is a very practical, down-to-earth guide to picking your life even when your life is wild busy. My life will never be as busy as Shonda Rhimes' life. It just won't. And she is so real about what it's like show running and and having kids and working and feeling like kind of the mom of her shows as the showrunner, but then the mom of her life, but then needing to mom herself as well. It's such a good book. I can't say enough good things about it. And it's it's my reset every year to remind me about what I'm going to say yes to in the coming year. Because even though I say there are things I let go of, I bring in things to say yes to, and that's part of my reset. The other, the other January reset, uh, water. Look, I have a water intake tracking water bottle that I have just stopped using, and I have been getting way dehydrated in the <laughs> South slash Midwest where I live. The, the humidity some days is like 20%. Like That's unheard of. I've never lived in humidity so low. It is so dry. It is so dry in the winter. <laughs> so water is a recommitment to actually tracking to make sure I'm adequately hydrated because taking care of myself needs to be the priority, but it's not always the priority because I will default into work because it's easier. And that is how I landed myself in all the health problems in the first place. So making sure I don't overwork is definitely intentional for me. So in my January reset, recommitting to water, yes, you always see me with my Starbucks cup, but I'm going to start tracking intentionally. So I'm not just drinking water when I'm talking, though I talk a lot. (laughs) So it's a good start. Daily movement is something that I did great at the beginning of the pandemic. And we moved and we actually have gym space in our house. It still doesn't happen every day. It still doesn't happen every day. I was like, oh, this will totally happen every day. No, no, it doesn't. I still sit on my butt for a lot of hours reading, researching, recording. And when I was in law school, there was something that I read. I don't remember if it was an article or a blog post or what, but it talked about LASS, L-A-S-S. It was lawyer-ass spread syndrome, talking about how much lawyers sit and how sedentary the lifestyle is. And though I am not practicing in a traditional way in court, I am still doing quite a lot of legal research, commentating, planning, structuring, and communicating in a traditional way on email or sitting down now over over video instead of walking around in court. I got way more movement in when I was running around a courthouse managing um, a calendar as a district attorney than I do essentially researching, reading, and interacting. I sit way more now. So daily movement has got to be a new part of my uh, of my day. And I think most entrepreneurs I know hit a place where they tip the scales between overwork and then getting back into actually taking care of themselves in some kind of a balanced way. And 2021 is, is bringing balance back to it. And I will be sharing that on both Instagram and Twitter with how that looks. I'm sure it won't be perfect. Like it's not going to be perfect, but 
some kind of daily movement is on the list because I have to, because I have to, because I feel better and I have more energy and I like to move. And I don't have moves like Jagger. I don't know why that's in my head, but I don't have those moves. But we have a rower that I love using. Um, Apple just released their Fitness Plus that pairs with your watch, and it's so much fun to use. I just have to make myself like go upstairs and do it. (laughs) It's like, oh, if it's right here, I'll do it. No, no, I have to still make myself do it. (laughs) Just because it's there doesn't mean I go do it. And the last thing is a from another book that I love. This is my second book of January, which is Rest. Rest is a phenomenal book. And I found it through my friend and mentor, Chris Ducker. If I mispronounce the author's name in any way, no disrespect intended. I love this book. It's by Alex Sujung Kim Peng. He is a tremendously um, researched author. This is a fantastic book. I have enjoyed his other books, but Rust is the one that talks about essentially why you get more done when you work less. And it talks about the historians and the thinkers of the past and how they incorporated rest and active rest into their days to do more. His books are amazing. I love this book. So it will be my second book because committing to downtime and and white space in my thinking will allow me to bring better content and to bring more overall to all of you, which is exactly what I want to do because 2021 is the year of like full-time Emily content creation and I cannot wait for it. The other book I really enjoy by this author is Shorter, which again talks about work smarter with less hours. It is more geared towards larger organizations, but there were still a lot of tidbits I took from that book. Again, very, very researched based and looking at case studies of companies that have gone to shorter work days, that have gone to shorter work hours, shorter work weeks, and how people get more done with less. But rest is the jumping in point. (laughs) So if you're looking for some kind of personal development inspiration Year of Yes and Rest are the two books I'm starting with in January. Let me know if we just need a Law Nerds book club because I'm down to do that. I'm going to be doing a lot more reading. And by reading, I mean listening to books on Audible (laughs) in 2021. And I'm always happy to share with you what I am looking into, reading, thinking about, and exploring because it's, it's how I continue to bring perspective to the breakdowns that I do. It's not just legal, but it's a a world perspective. And there's still so much to learn. Thank you for being with me at the end of 2020. I am cautiously optimistic. We are not going to be here pounding the bullshit of new year, new you, and all kinds of like toxic positivity nonsense. I think what we all need for 2021 is look at the tweaks that we'd like to incorporate into our lives. And those can be little things we are still going through a pandemic. It is still overwhelming. The future is still feeling very unknown. This is not the time for everyone to make big change. Like, look, if you want to get a haircut, if you're allowed to, don't make it a big one. Like, now is not the time for big life-altering change. Now is definitely a time to evaluate, and it's okay to spend some of the beginning of this year evaluating what you want your life to look like, how you want your days to feel. And that is enough. It doesn't have to be massive commitments. My commitments are small coming into 2021. 
but they are going to take a commitment. Getting in water is going to take a commitment. Daily movement. Look, I didn't say I'm getting two hours and I'm going to be a fitness model influencer. No, we're not going to be hawking protein powder up on the Instagrams. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about moving intentionally each day in some way. That's not a huge thing. And a commitment to rest. That is making sure that I am taking care of myself so I can take care of my family and do what I love to do in an intentional way. Not huge commitments, consistent, small efforts. And it's okay to just do that. There is so much else going on right now. I think that the baby steps are what's going to get us through the beginning of 2021. Let me know if you are bringing things into your life in 2021 that you're looking forward to. Or let me know if you're just like, girl, one foot in front of the other, we're going to get through, you know, March, a year of this, and then we're going to reevaluate. That's cool too. I do a reevaluation every quarter. And if you want me to share that with you, let me know. I will put that on the YouTube and share how I do some of that stuff too. But for now, we're at the end of the episode. We're still in a pandemic. Raise a glass of whatever you've got. Maybe it's water after listening to this episode. (laughs) And say it with me. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your family be well. May your toilet paper be plentiful. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for being with me through this amazing and weird year of 2020. I look forward to what the future brings for us here together, and I will see you in 2021. Bye. Thanks for sticking around for today's episode. For episodes like this and conversations like this, come join us in the Facebook community. The Get Legit community is where we discuss the episodes, where I answer your questions, and we have an opportunity to take a deeper dive in a respectful, conversational environment. The Get Legit community is on Facebook. There's a link down below, or you can go to getlegitlive.com. I'll see you on the inside.